Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. And in this episode, we're going through our top five wide receivers for the 2022 NFL Draft Class. With the NFL evolving every single year, especially on offense, we're seeing so many different wide receivers of shapes and sizes make big differences throughout the league on a variety of different teams. Whether it's first round, second round, third round, or even some of those late round gems, wide receivers are always coveted. And getting those skill position players is something that every team is looking for. We're going to go through our wide receiver list, five through one, and then talk about some guys that just missed it, as well as some gems that you've got to keep your eyes on for the later rounds. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's get after it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange. So glad that you guys are hanging out with us here on this podcast. I am Trevor Sigma. That is Connor Rogers. And today we are talking about our top five wide receivers for the 2022 NFL draft class. We told you it was coming. We told you we were going to get into the scouting reports, into the rankings, into the details of a lot of these guys. And this is the first of many podcasts that is going to be centered around that. Connor, I left it up to you what we were going to start with and you went let's do wide receivers we got to do wide receivers we got to talk about the playmakers in this class so wide receiver got a special place in your heart i guess it, it does trevor and i think the reason why this is the place to start because these are such early intros we're going to go through our top fives we're going to go you know guys that just didn't make the cut and, and then players to know um and then some data at the end which is a great touch on all of this but I think everyone's rankings are going to be different this year with wide receivers right that's why i wanted to start here because i think that there's going to be certain position groups like edge. It's it's rare to see people that don't start with some combo of KT and Hutch at the top. And right. I'm sure there'll be Karloftis stands out there somewhere. But with wide receiver, you know, you can have a guy at number one that I have at number six, and they might both be in our top 40, but it's just a matter right. of if, if I'm sitting there and I, if there's, it's going to come down to what flavor you need, right? Scheme or need uh, and the talent gap. This is a really good group, man. I, for all the people saying, like, oh, this draft class is, you know, it's okay. I am so excited about this wide receiver group. Sure, it doesn't have a Jamar Chase, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have, it's not loaded with talent. It is. You mentioned all the different flavors. We might have to get creative at some point in this process. Like, when we're absolutely loopy, out of our minds, have watched so much tape and have so little sleep somewhere in April that we, like, start comparing the guys in this wide receiver prospect group to like ice cream flavors like we're just like okay this is my flavor here these are the toppings that he brings this is when you want it. like all that kinds of stuff that's so 
uh, maybe that's something that you guys can look forward to down the road. If we lose our sanity that much, we might get to that point with this wide receiver class. But I'm glad that you introed it like that because these guys are so, so, so talented. So let's get right to it. What we're going to do, like Connor said, we're going to give you our top five as it stands right now. And another reason why we wanted to do this at this point is because with this being a stock market kind of a themed podcast, we're going to do this with wide receiver, edge, offensive tackle, quarterback, corner, safety. We're going to do this with every single position because we want to give you guys a baseline of, hey, this is who we have ranked here at this point in the year. And then as we get closer to the draft, as we get to tap into our sources and learn more about what the NFL thinks of these prospects, see what they do athletically at the combine, all of that, we'll be able to give you our journey of like, Hey, this guy's stock is up. This guy is on the rise. This guy's trending down, things like that to make sure that you're as prepared as you possibly can to write mock drafts that you want to write, or just pay attention to your team as best as possible. So we'll go from five to one first. We'll talk about the top five guys that we have, but at the end of the podcast, we're going to give a shout out to plenty of the rest of these playmakers and some guys that maybe just didn't make the list. So who's your number five, who's your number five receiver here as it stands right now, end of January, heading into all-star circuit for the 2022 NFL draft. So I'm going to start off cheating and go uh, well, 5A and 5B. That's what we want right away. Lock, you know yeah. what? Locked on, <laughs> locked on NFL draft listeners are going to love the fact that you said that because I always used to do that with Ben. We would start something. <laughs> I didn't and even I would, know that. <laughs> I would say, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to cheat a little bit. And Ben would be yeah. like, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's January, Trevor. You're allowed to cheat. In April, I'm not going to allow cheating. In March is when it's like, okay, we should stop cheating. In January, you said this is a baseline uh, for the listeners, for everyone. So I'm going to cheat because I didn't want to do five uh, without these two making it six. So 5A and 5B, Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson. And this comes back to the flavor thing, right? You're going to look at these two players and see that they both know how to separate, right? They're really good before the catch. I think both are really good route runners. Olave has such a big sample size of doing it. Yeah. He's been on the field for Ohio State at a high level for a couple of years with different quarterbacks. And he's a target that has won vertically for a long time while doing a lot of things really, really well. And when you look at Dotson, he's somebody to me that shows really good body control, uh, good vertical speed, really good tracking. I like his hands. I think he can win in the middle of the field while also being able to win on the outside. In that sense, he really reminds me of this year's Elijah Moore, right? A guy that's not a lock for the first round. He's probably going to run in the four threes. He's going to test really well. For some teams that prefer size, the 5'10", 5'11", sub 200 is not going to do it for them. But he does everything really well. He catches the ball. He knows how to get open. He's got juice after the catch. So I like Dotson. It's a shame. It looks like he's off the senior bowl roster now. This is what happens every year. Guys, you know, tend to drop out. Uh, Alave, I know Jim Nagy has said did not accept an invite. So it would have been fun to see these guys. But we've seen so much tape of them in the Big Ten. Right. That I actually, for how many questions this receiver class has... These are two guys that I feel really comfortable in saying what they are. They both project to me as number two wide receivers that know how to get open, that you can move around the field and can be in a high, you know, octane passing attacks offense, uh, a high, high, high volume number two option because of how reliable both of them are. Where are you going with number five? And what do you what do you think of that, honestly? Yeah, I'll, I'll just start with kind of what you what you brought to the table there. I'm really glad that you brought Chris Olave to this because uh, just a little spoiler, like Chris Olave right now is six for me. And I I hate that he's not going to be in my top five graphics or whatever. But it's like you said at the beginning of the podcast, Chris Olave is probably going to be a top 40 player for me. And he's wide receiver six. That's like how much I like this class. So I'm really glad that you brought Olave up because you look at the last three years of production for him. And I think he checks so many boxes. He's a guy who I'm very surprised did not declare for the draft 
last year. And I think, Me too. I think the NFL draft advisory board gave him a grade that he was uh, a little disappointed by. I've got to think that's the reason why he came back because he had such great tape. Obviously he was able to play so much as a true sophomore, even had his junior year and played well again. And kind of like that COVID abbreviated year in the big 10. And, you know, I, I think that, it's a shame that you look at his stats and something that really shocked me as we were looking up some numbers and I was refreshing my memory for this podcast. He never had a thousand yards, not once. Now he had like an 800 yard year, a 700 yard year in 2020 with not as many games and then 900 this past year. So it's not like he was a big disappointment there. It's just, it's, it's just so weird to me that a guy who is good and as productive and plays in the offense that Ohio state had Olave never, uh, never got over that a thousand yard mark, which is pretty crazy. Not that I really care at all. It was just, I was, pointing that out he's so smooth man he, he's so great athletically and uh he understands route running very very well he understands yeah. how to attack the blind spots of corners if you got the wrong technique if your hips are pointed the wrong way he's going to manipulate you right to just put his foot in the ground and go left right i mean this guy really knows what he's doing i love the fact that he started off his career as a slot receiver for you know a very talented wide receiver room at ohio state he was able to get on the field right away which i also think means a lot towards his scouting report because it means he was able to stand out at such a young age pick things up be a big time athlete difference maker in a very athletic team athletic program there's so many great boxes to check with chris olave he's not the biggest dude in the world he's not the strongest dude in the world and so do i think that he's going to be this dominant outside number one wide receiver in the nfl i think that's where my reservation is but honestly like who cares like I, like yeah. even like saying to myself like who cares the nfl we we talked about this i think it was on either yesterday's podcast or the, or the mock draft podcast on monday the nfl is is having you get wide receivers for four deep five deep like you've got to have all of these really good players it's not just okay we've got a stud guy at the top and now all right we can kind of like trickle in some other wide receivers at wide receiver three and four and, and whatever you are it's an arms race every team in the nfl is in an arms race and we're seeing that some of the best in the nfl are the ones that are winning that race right now so olave there are some guys that i just i, I like maybe their physical size profile ceilings more than i like olave's in that category but the Me dude's too. so good. He's so smooth. He he uh, he can absolutely be a first round pick and a good wide receiver. So I'm very glad that you brought him up because I just I thought it was criminal that I didn't have him there and I had to get that off my chest. No, it's I mean you're spot on, and I think I, I you know it's not that we've become bored with Chris Olave because he's done it for three years. He's played on special teams, like you said, he's played inside, outside, and, and he's super smooth, right? He's kind of got that like Keenan Allen polish where it's like okay, he knows how to get off the line of scrimmage, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, he knows how to get off the line of scrimmage. He can improvise. He's reliable deep. Uh, but you're right. The size is is not necessarily the same as a lot of guys that we've evaluated with super high grades coming out where it's just he's very projectable as a number two. But we've seen so many times with guys like this go somewhere where they're penciled into an offense and they're the number one by default. And it's just easy to wipe them out and everybody gets so low on them right away. And it's like, well, no, that's not, you know, it's not necessarily what he is. And, you know, when I look at, you know, just quick kind of landing spot situation, like Chris Olave in the first round to a team that needs so much production. I, I don't know how much I love that, but say Mike Williams walks and the Chargers draft Chris Olave at 48. I love it. Right. So yeah, it, that's sure. the kind of thing where it's like, wow, this makes you love the player, but this scenario makes you scared of the player. And, and that's why he sits at, five for me and, and six for you or five B, whatever it is for me, instead of top three for us. Yeah. And uh, another team that I actually really like Chris Olave for is 
the Raiders. You know, everybody in the first round, they look at Jamison Williams and they kind of like peg Jamison Williams going to the Raiders and they say like, oh, okay, there's the speed element. That's replacing what they have with rugs. I think people are sleeping on how fast Chris Olave is. He's going to go to the I combine agree. and I think he is going to run close to four threes, low four fours for sure. That's what I'm expecting from him. We might get a uh, an official time in the high four threes from Olave. Like I think after the combine, people are going to be like, damn, I didn't realize he was that fast. And so then you combine the smoothness of his route running with how much he could be a vertical threat. You mentioned the Chargers. I also would love for him to get on the Raiders. I think that that would be a great selection as well. So uh, number five for me, I'm going to pick his teammate. I'm going to pick Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is five for me, and I think this might be blasphemous for some people because a lot of people have Garrett Wilson as wide receiver one. And when you look at this past season, man, what he was able to do and the things that he was able to put on tape when it comes to short area separation, I think is really what has people loving him, right? He, he doesn't have quite have the feet of Jerry Judy, but it's that Jerry Judy effect, right? Jerry Judy created separation so easily that people really fell in love with him. He was my wide receiver one coming out that season because he just did it at such an elite level. It was just such a gift of his. Wilson, it brings you a lot of stop, start, change of direction, things that you love. His short area, being able to turn his hips, put his foot in the ground, really help you out in the quick game. I think that that's great. Again, it's kind of going back to a little bit of my criticism with Olave. The reason why I'm lower on Garrett Wilson than some of these other guys that I'm going to mention, it's not that he can't do concentrated catches. You know, we saw in that Michigan game, right? Throw it up to him at the pylon. He's oh, going to yeah. go up and he can moss somebody and he can come down with a concentrated catch. I'm not saying that he can't do that but just a physical profile overall. He's just not as physically gifted size strength-wise as some of these other guys. So I think that he's a really great wide receiver, and what he does well can be a quarterback's best friend sometimes, especially with how effective he can be in the quick game, off press, off the line scrimmage, gaining those quick separation yards to really help out the quarterback, especially if uh, pass rush is good that week and it's coming at you hard. So I think that he is a really good wide receiver. He could play inside and out just like Olave. He's got slot experience. He plays on the outside. He's a good wide receiver. But again, this is another guy that uh, I'm, I, I don't want to say le- worried about the long speed because uh, worried is definitely not the word, but I think people right now believe that Garrett Wilson is just more athletic than Chris Olave is like I've seen people say that like oh he's he's a more athletic version of kind of like Chris Olave and I'm like "Mm." everything that I've heard from that Ohio State program is that Chris Olave is one of the fastest dudes on that team so I actually think that Garrett Wilson we're confusing or we're not compartmentalizing the athleticism the way that we need to I think that Garrett Wilson is maybe more short area explosive maybe he's got just like yep more flexibility at the hips to where he can he can dip and and chop his feet and turn a little bit quicker than Chris Olave can. But in terms of like deep down the field, being a blazer, I think he's more of a guy who's going to run kind of in a low four fives. And so that's where I'm I'm looking at, at Garrett Wilson. Fantastic tape this season. He's going to be a great wide receiver. But that physical profile is still why I'm a little bit lower on him than some of these other wide receivers. And I think you're on it with the 40. I don't think he's going to blaze in the 40. And I do agree that the jumps and the three cone might be better suited for him, right? The stop and start ability, the short area explosiveness rather than, hey, running a straight line down the field, which for wide receivers, the 40 does matter, right? I've gotten away from the 40 being the be all end all. But at some point in the league, you got to be able to run at wide receiver. So it does matter. All right, moving to number four for me and a little bit is injury, but a lot of, uh, this is pretty close to where I would have him no matter what. This is Jamison Williams uh, for me, the the breakout player of this year, the guy that, you know, people are saying if he didn't get hurt would have been the bona fide first wide receiver taken. I don't actually know if I agree with that. I think that's 
easy to say after he gets hurt because then if he's not, you're like, oh, it's because he got hurt. Right. But <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's, it's the ultimate draft talk cop out, baby. You love to yeah, see it. Yeah, you're very protected in saying that. So with Jamison Williams, who was awesome this year, right? He He's obviously an incredible incredible vertical threat he he's you know very uh tall and slender i think he is a true like almost six foot two um he's got obviously you know really good catch radius for a player with that kind of speed that stop and start especially on the double move getting downfield that's gonna work against nfl corners he has that level of speed it is real the ability to you know burn down the field I would say my concerns with him, Trevor, and and his injury was non-contact. So the injury that he had has nothing to do with this. Right. I do wonder how that frame projects to the next level. He is a really slender kind of guy that a couple big hits, you go, okay, is he is he going to be okay taking those hits across the middle of the field? Or is he the kind of player that we're going to put on the outside and really use in the 20 to 30 yards down the field kind of area Get him involved on screens and make him work after the catch. Crossers, shallow crossers, and catch and run kind of player. So, love his speed. Love his you know game changing ability. He can flip the script on you with a forty yard touchdown in no time. Mm-hmm. I don't have the fears of everybody going. Well, why didn't he get on the field at Ohio State? Uh, because two of the guys were are in my top five for this draft, and the other guy is probably a top five to top 10 pick in the future. So that's not in this draft class yet. So, and and don't they have like Marvin Harrison's kid too? Yes. They have Marvin Harrison's kid. They've got, I think another five-star wide receiver, like in that game. It's ridiculous. And when you get the call from Nick Saban or whoever it was that did call him and said, Hey, you want to come start for Alabama with like a top quarterback recruit in the country and a program that our offensive line gives us enough time to use you vertically down the field and all those things. So it's just don't really I think people need to get away from using that as a cause for concern with Jamison Williams. I just don't see the rounded out game that I'm taking him even pre-injury in the top 10. Now, the ceiling's obviously there because of the speed. So I really like Jamison Williams, a very projectable vertical target. But I don't think he's somebody that comes in and. You know, it's insane to even ask somebody to be Jamar Chase, but I also don't even think he's Jalen Waddle. I liked Jalen Waddle more as well. Yeah, so, I mean, w- this one's pretty easy for us because Jamison Williams is also my number four, and I we are in the same boat here. When he was getting a lot of hype as the wide receiver one in this class, I didn't see it like that. I, I really didn't. I-, I liked him as the player. Now, initially throughout the season, especially when Alabama was playing a lot lower-level competition, yeah, he was racking up the yards. He had over 1,500 yards, and he had 15 receiving touchdowns throughout the season before he got hurt there at the end. He's... He was he was he was a big time vertical threat for Alabama, and there was a lot of opportunities where they were able to scheme things up, and and there was certain blown coverages, and there were just athletes that aren't going to be at the next level that were trying to guard him, and I think that that all goes into it. And he was really feasting deep down the field in that way, and so throughout the season, especially like even to the middle of the season and a little bit late in the regular season. I was like, okay, this guy's a great burner. But for people to call him wide receiver one in this class, a little crazy, right? I mean, when you look at the NFL as it stands today, you know, I think a lot of people would say, okay, Tyree Kill could be wide receiver one in the NFL. He could be the top wide receiver. And that I can understand because Hill is Hill is that rare combination of he runs basically like low four twos, and yet he's like a dense dude. He's a small dude, yeah. but he's also like jacked. And so Hill is kind of crazy in that regard. And Jameson's a little different. His, his body is built a little bit different. And when I watched Jameson Williams, and I remember saying this, 
oh, this must have been for the SEC championship game. When he was taken over and he was doing things really well, which I'll get to in a second, he was taking some pretty, pretty big hits after the catch and over the middle, and he was hanging on to the football, and I was like, damn, man, see, I love to see this from him. I didn't see a ton of this in his tape, but I love seeing that from him. But something that definitely worries me a little bit, and not to scout the helmet, if you will, but I remember watching Henry Ruggs when he was at Alabama, and obviously a big-time burner. When he was at Alabama, he could play through contact. Like, Henry Ruggs had contested catches, man. Like, he had stuff over the middle. He was getting oh, yeah. popped in the end zone. He was getting popped, you know, at the numbers or at the logo or whatever. And he was just, like, hanging on to the ball and popping up. And that's why I loved Henry Ruggs in that draft because I said, this guy's more than speed. I've seen it on tape. He's got that strength. He can do contested catches. But then Henry Ruggs got to the NFL, and that, like, vanished. Like, the hits were too much. The guys weighed too much. It was it was too much of a jump up. And Right, and it, should, and it truly was different. And so this is kind of a long answer with Jameson Williams, but I obviously like the long speed. You love that. I think he's the top deep threat in this class. I really do, when he's healthy. I do think that he rounded out his game, especially when Mechie went down and he was able to show what he could be in the quick game. You know, things that are um, in front of 10 yards, really getting in the ball in his hands early. And that's tough for speed guys, right? Not everybody who has that explosiveness is able to get that timing down right with their quarterback to where a vertical deep burner can still have that same speed effect on the game when you're going quick game, when you're doing, when you're doing quick little um, mesh routes or dig routes or, or, or quick slants that you got to be able to fire it in there right on time, or even like little comeback routes, things like that. So I think that Jameson rounded out his game from a speed profile, because I think that he has the long speed and some short speed, but I do still worry about, the strength of physicality. So that's why he is still four for me. He's always kind of been around this four or five mark for me, even pre-injury. That's kind of been my view on him. It seems like we see him pretty similarly. Who's uh, who's your number three guy in this list? Yeah, to close the book on, on Jamison Williams, I think he's in the right era for him where guys are oh, playing totally. in more space and protected. Like 20 years ago, I don't know if he can get off the line of scrimmage, to be honest with you. And now now things are... There'll be times where corners are going to get hands on him, and he's going to have to... The play right. strength is going to have to get better. But it is an era where... I mean, he's our number four receiver. We're not knocking the guy. Like, that's yeah. high praise in this... Really high praise in this class. But there are things that he needs to work on. So, number three for me... Hold on, John. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to say, I, and, and I'll kind of, like, categorize it like this. The three guys that we just talked about, or at least that I talked about with... Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jameson Williams, I think could be high-end number twos. Like, I really think that they could be high-end number twos, extremely effective wide receivers, really good passing weapons in the NFL. But these next three guys, at least that I'm going to list, are built different, if you will. Yep. And I think they have wide receiver one caliber uh, physical gifts, I think, all around. So go ahead. Who's your three? And, and it's the same for me coming up. Now we're entering a different tier. The guy that everybody that I, we've mentioned today is in my top 40, but now the next three, we're going to talk about a different tier, and we're going to start at number three with Drake London, um, a player that I compare to Cortland Sutton. <laughs> I, I look at him and just see somebody that the above-the-rim ability will translate to the next level. It's that good, where the tracking... The, the frame, the size, the shielding of defenders, the high-pointing the ball, the I'm open when I'm covered ability, I really do think that will translate at the next level. And there's something with him after the catch where he's got a little bit of that B-Marsh in him where it's like he's very big, he's not sudden or twitchy, 
but he'll just run through you with the stiff arms and guys try to go low on him and they bounce off guys try to go high on him and they bounce off so i mean i've seen him his after the catch ability for that size is very very impressive to me so when i look at drake london do I think he's going to have, you know, the polish of a guy that's going to run every route to perfection when he comes in? I don't even think Trevor his route running is a problem. It's just when you're 6 foot 5, when you're, you're that big, yes. it's never going to look like Picasso out there. Yes. I, I think people Thank really need you. to distinguish that. Like when you are that big, when you do certain things, it's not going to look the same as a 5 foot 11 guy. Like your feet aren't going to be you know, feathery, you're not going to be, you're going to be a little bit more choppy. Your one shoulder is going to take a little bit wa- longer to come right, across. Right, like, right, Everything it's, looks different. It, it, so. It's like anybody out there who lifts weights. If you are above, I'll say six foot and you either try to bench or squat or do anything that involves length. And then you watch your five foot nine, five foot 10 friend be able to put up those kind of similar numbers or whatever from you it's because the leverage is different he's just smaller he's got smaller limbs it just it doesn't work out like that of course like the body is just it's gonna work different for smaller guys and bigger guys so i'm very glad that you said that dude you're you're spot on funny quick story my first ever usapl competition in college when i was powerlifting and i'm not over six foot i'm not i'm not you're an official powerlifter i in college i was yeah so my first ever competition the guy I, that was in my weight class, one of two, the the guy that won on the West Point team, Trevor was five foot one. He was five foot one. Five foot one. Like, <sighs> so it's like, I don't stand a chance against no, you because you no. are literally T-Rex he to, bouncing. He has, to, he has to bring the weight this far. Dude, it was, it. it was wild. It was oh wild. He was, he was built literally just like a boulder, like a, like an actual <laughs> meatball. And I, and I was like, okay, this isn't going to be like a forever thing for me. This is fun to do right now. Uh, so you're great analogy. And I have a, a sad personal experience with that. Yeah. Five foot one. <laughs> Uh, my, so, uh, anyway. my my only sad personal experience is that I have long arms, so uh, benching 225 took a lot longer than uh, than I wanted it to. While all my other friends were, it was like the SpongeBob meme where I was Squidward just staring out my window, <laughs> watching all my other friends bench 225, and I was like, I have long arms. So. Oh my god! Yeah, it's spot on. So with Drake London, um, yeah, that's that's really it. It's not going to always look like the prettiest. But you have to question, is this going to be effective at the next level? And, I, and, you know, the medicals will be another conversation. London's, you know, checks and all those things are going to be important. But I think you would assume he's going to be okay in this era of modern medicine. So I really like Drake London. I, I think the ca- contested catches translate. Uh, do I think he'll have the easiest time getting wide open at the next level? No, and no one really does. I do think there'll be a lot of situations where he is covered and the quarterback has to trust him to win the football. And I think he will. I think he'll be... He's somebody that should come in and, and catch eight touchdowns as a rookie if he's healthy. And I'm not saying he's going to go for 1,300 yards. I'm not going to say he's going to have 90 catches or anything like that. But when you watch how Cortland Sutton translated, and that was from SMU. That wasn't from USC. Cortland Sutton knew simply how to win the football and knew how to gain positioning at all times while being fast enough. I don't think London's slow. I'll say that, especially straight line. I think that is the player that is very easily comp as a translatable skill set in the next level for London. So number three for me, and think he should be probably a top twenty pick. I'm uh, I'm gonna say more words on Drake London uh, when we when we get to him in my list. He's not number three for me. Number three for me is Traylon Burks. Uh, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, this ultimate weapon kind of a player, man. I, I think simply put, 
he's just he's just unique right i mean like when you when you look at who he is as a prospect how big he is what is he six foot three six foot four 225 230 pounds i mean like he's just he's a monster and arkansas aligns him in a ton of different ways they'll put him in as a big slot and shoot man you see him try to go up against either safeties or corners that are five nine five ten and like he's just he's He's making him he's making him look like children out there. It just feels like he's he's playing a different game. And you know, I I felt from that perspective, I felt the same way about DK Metcalf. Now I'm not saying that he's totally Metcalf, but he's got that kind of vibe to him where in college he was just that physically dominant over so many people. And I think when he gets to the combine, I don't know if he's gonna have Metcalf numbers, especially in a uh in a on a linear plane, like with a 40 yard dash and with his jumps and everything like that. But he might. I mean, this dude is super explosive, and I think that everybody could really come to love him at the combine. I think that just the potential that he has. Now, there's certain polish in his game that I think needs work. Uh, but sure as a from an athletic profile. Guys like this simply do not come around very often. They really don't. And if you want somebody who's more of a technician than Traylon Burks, go get Chris Olave. Go get Garrett Wilson. Go get Khalil Shakir. Like go, like go get some of the some of these like route running studs. These guys who are going to be able to be a little bit more consistent from you in that regard. But Burks does things that basically everyone in this class cannot do. He has this rare combination of size, speed, athleticism that is worth taking that chance on. And and I think that when you think about the game of football and how it are, it it is often these X factor players, these, these kind of freaks in nature athletically that really take your team and, and, and make a massive difference as we're seeing with, you know, teams like the San Francisco 49ers right now. Burks is a guy who gives you that potential. He does. I think he's got a long way to go. I think that he is still not nearly as polished as he could be, but from an athletic profile, what he can do when he's got the ball in his hands after the catch before shoot, even, you know, before the catch, we're seeing him this season. And it was fantastic because in the first couple of years, I thought he was really inconsistent this year. Yeah, uh, KJ Jefferson was just chucking the ball up to him deep down the sideline. This man was coming down with it. He was making nice contested catches. Obviously, every time he gets his mitts on it, it's rarely coming out of his hands because he's that strong. He'll give you that yards after the catch ability because he's just such a monster. And, you know, I, I think that Arkansas showed a little bit this year that you could play him and line him up in a variety of different spots in an age where we're getting more and more creative about how you use uniquely athletically gifted players. It's hard not to think of Traylon Burks as just this next level next generation next wave of nfl passing attack studs so i got Traylon burks at number three um like i said i I think that there's he certainly has a lot of polish to go and consistencies and where you can really line him up and really get the most out of him but uh for what he brings to the table athletically i think he's a stud yeah and i will uh i will wax poetic i will talk about burks pretty soon so okay steal, all right i won't steal the spotlight right now okay boy, all right little little, little, little teaser right now so we got our two guys uh to, to at the top of this class and of course that we're talking about some uh some guys that we just left off the list as well but before we get to that i gotta remind you guys that right now you can get 25 percent off any pff subscription if you use the promo code nflse that's the abbreviations for nfl stock exchange what do you get with the pff subscription so glad that you asked all the PFFs locked content. You get all the NFL betting dashboards, the green line set up for more betting, player prop tools, which shows you which way we're leaning with over under to help you make some extra cheddar cheese. 
get the NFL draft guide, the fantasy football draft guide, or and, and just so much more that you get when you sign up for a PFF subscription. Uh, you can support the pod. Use the promo code NFLSE. That would really help us out. Also, with this being the new year, something that PFF is doing uh, is is we're trying to figure out what you guys want to get. And because NFL Stock Exchange listeners are obviously the best listeners in the PFF network, we want to help you create a list for what we want to improve on both as a company and for this podcast. So email us, contact at pff.com. That is contact at pff.com with the answers to these two questions. First one, what feature do you love most about PFF? Whether it's the the mock draft machine, the free agency guy, the green line tool, uh, whatever it is, what do you enjoy the most about PFF? Or if you have a subscription, what do you enjoy the most about that? And then what do you want to see? How do you want either those tools to improve or maybe tools that PFF doesn't even have yet? We would love to hear from you. We would love to implement it, make your life even better as a football fan. So tell us which podcast sent you. Let them know the NFLSE sent you if you send them that email to uh, to help us out, make a better PFF and give you even more bang for your buck when it comes to a PFF subscription. All right, let's get into it. Number two, who is you your number two wide receiver PFF right ad read. What'd you say? Master, master class in the PFF ad read at this oh, point. Oh, dude, brother, we're just getting started. Wait, wait, wait till wait till I get bored. That's that's what it, that's that's always that's always when it comes great. Wait till I get bored of all of these ads and I've got to start really spicing them up. That's when uh, that's when the people are really gonna love it. All right, want me to take it away with number two? Yes, let's do it. Number two for me, Garrett Wilson, um, a player that uh, for me is a, a comp to Calvin Ridley, almost a clone. I think this is the player comp. Uh-huh. That I feel okay. best about in this entire draft right now uh, that I've I've had, and I think why I use Ridley is, you know, coming out, you look at the three phases of the catch before can you get open, um, obviously during can you win the football, and three after the catch can you make a guy miss and, and pick up the extra yards or score, and, and I look at Wilson and think he could do all three right now, right today. I think he can come in and, and give you a thousand yards out of the gate. Um, I, I watch he's somebody I got to see live this year, and I'll tell you, Trevor, I was. Really impressed with the physicality in his game, the the build, and when he gets the ball, can turn into a bulldog with it in his hands, but can also make you miss. I think when you're that rounded, it really creates a nightmare scenario for safeties, corners, linebackers. So I look at Wilson and just love the route tree, love the releases off the line of scrimmage, love the footwork. I uh, think that he just knows how to get open in very crafty ways. Yeah, And I think that when you know how to get open... The next thing is because you're not going to walk into a situation where, you know, maybe Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen are always throwing you the ball. How is that body control? How is that concentration? Can you make adjustments? Can you toe tap the sideline? Um, And and can you haul it in and and turn into a running back with the ball in your hands? And I've seen that from Wilson. So I think in this league where you have a lot of, you know, coaches that just put such a high priority on the ability to get open in space and do something with the ball in your hands. And it's a lot of that is that, you know, the Shanahan tree, all these coaches, whether it's the Niners and you see how they use Debo, but it's not just Debo. You know, obviously uh, the Jet staff is from San Francisco. They want to do that with Elijah Moore. You've seen it even over on, you're going to see, you see it in McVay's offense all the time with how they use cup and how they've uh, adapted and, and really helped OBJ or OBJ's helped them in that offense. So I look at Garrett Wilson and think that he is so translatable almost to any era, but especially right now where, He's going to win in man coverage. He's going to understand how to beat zone coverage. And he does enough for you with the ball in his hands uh, that he can make things happen after the catch. So Garrett Wilson, to me, is the the highest floor wide receiver, I would say, in this draft. But he is not my number one. 
wide receiver in this draft. Yeah, the Calvin Ridley comp is actually a very interesting one. I, I pulled up Calvin Ridley's mock draftable scores, um, which are all, all, like all of his all of his combine numbers for for those of you that aren't avid users of mock draftable. Which you're, if you're a draft fan, you're crazy. Go to mockdraftable.com and you can see so many different um, records of combine performances. You can see the percentiles that they finished with going into the NFL. And man, when you look at Calvin Ridley, it's it. There's not a lot of impressive numbers, and I no, think not at all. That's a that's a really good comp, especially of, of what you're wanting to get for Garrett Wilson because of kind of what I said when I ranked him number five. Like, there's a lot of things that I like about his game, and I, I believe I either had Calvin Ridley as wide receiver one or wide receiver two in that class, and the reason was because, yeah, he wasn't the biggest dude. He wasn't the tallest dude. He wasn't the fastest dude. He was just the best dude. Like, he was he – Short area quickness. He understood playing wide receiver really, really well. And that's, I think, a really great way to also describe Garrett Wilson. Man, when you look at, at Calvin Ridley's mock draftable numbers, comes in uh, six foot and a half, 189. I think those are basically the numbers Garrett that Wilson. Garrett Wilson's going to come in at. When you look at the 40-yard dash, 443, which is – fine i think that garrett wilson might be a little bit slower than that but i think that we're, we're in that neighborhood vertical jump and broad jump were not good for calvin ridley i do remember that that was something that worried me about him because uh he had a 31 inch vertical jump um what what is uh 100, 110 inch what is that off the top of my head well oh. uh, math 11. not you're in the wrong place buddy. it's 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 like 10 foot something which um was both of those were in the below 10th percentile for wide receiver seven which is like and two percent uh, really really bad terrible terrible like absolutely yeah. terrible like like when you were in the two percent of a percentile for any of these measurements that basically says there is no successful current pros yep. at your position who recorded that like so that yep. that was that's super worrisome it's not that he was bad it's that he was like almost like not nfl worried. he's an outlier actually calvin and, ridley athletically and he, then you, and then you look at the three cone though six eight eight so that's not too bad that's 65th percentile and so that all of that to say that's really not a bad comp of, of kind of visualizing where you might have concerns with Garrett Wilson, as I kind of voice at number five, and why maybe that doesn't matter. Now, do you want to bet on outliers all the time? No, but there's certainly a path to where when you are so savvy at your craft, maybe even if you aren't the biggest, the strongest, the most athletic guy, you really make it happen. And I think that Garrett Wilson's going to test a little bit better in the explosive areas Me with too. the jumps and the three cone. And so I think that it's all going to be fine. But I do think that that was uh, an interesting point for you to make there. Number two for me, I kind of teased it in the Monday episode. Uh, we saw him go number eight, 18 in my most recent mock draft. It's Georgia wide receiver, George Pickens. And, you know, that's something that I've been talking about Pickens a lot. I mentioned in the Monday episode that he was my wide receiver one going into this season before his injury. He got injured in March, tore his ACL, missed most of this past season. But the tape that he had prior to this, this is a former five-star prospect, guy who is six foot three, 205, 210 pounds. He's going to give you the exact size profile that you're looking for for an outside number one dominant receiver. You go back to that freshman year, and he was basically all that passing offense had. He had over 700 yards in that first season, eight touchdowns, almost 15 yards per catch for Georgia, right? And Georgia's passing attack has sucked over the last couple of years. But Pickens, his true freshman season, stepped in right away as a guy who was basically playing an extension of high school ball, came into the SEC and played really well, looked like he belonged athletically, strength-wise, um, length profile, all of that he had there with him. He had really great uh, tape when it came to contested catches on the sideline, deep dives down the field, stretching the field vertically. 
I think there are certainly areas in where he can just show more consistency in a lot of the areas where we've seen flashes already. I don't think he's a complete receiver. And of course him fully coming back from that ACL injury, he was able to play at the end of this year. Uh, but just making sure that he is good in those areas, all of those boxes you'll check, you know, kind of when you get to the combine and see how he's able to test and what he's able to do. And you get medical rechecks on his knee and everything. But so far we've got three seasons of him really just two. But if you are someone who subscribes to age domination metrics when it comes to these players basically it's a way to say valuing how good a player is the younger they are because it means that they are young and they're also dominating competition especially at the college level which is probably two to three years older than them if you have that kind of domination there that gives you often often that is an indicator that you will be able to step in right away in the NFL and not look lost, like not like not look overwhelmed. And, and if there's anything that I get from George Pickens tape, it is that when he is playing at his best, he ain't going to look overwhelmed in the pros. I think this is a guy who his ceiling is so high from an athletic strength size standpoint. He's got really great production, though spotty from Georgia spotty passing attack. I think if you get this guy in the NFL, he really works his craft. He, he puts in the hours to make sure that he can be the best. We're talking about a potential wide receiver two kind of a player. So love the talent. I really do think that he has one of the highest ceilings of anyone in this wide receiver class. Dude, I love you standing on the table for someone that is is not in, let alone a lot of top twos or threes right now, but a lot of top fives. And and I'll jump ahead here and say George Pickens was my just missed player. I think he for me, he's probably my wide receiver seven right now. I will say, Trevor, he's probably the player or one of the players I'm most curious to see how he tests. And if sure. he comes in, he's we know he's big, but if he runs better than I expect and just blows the testing out of the waters, he is very projectable considering the lack of tape that exists with him in his current state, in his current age. So I, I think Pickens, and I said this on the mock draft show when you had him in the first round, has potential riser written all over him when teams dive in and go, okay, here's the numbers, whatever. But we love his physicality, and that's play strength not just as a blocker, that's play strength as a wide receiver. And now we're seeing elite testing or even upper, you know, above average testing at that size. Uh, I think he could have a big, big time rise. So I love that you have him at two. I think it's bold. I really do, and I think that's that's why we're here. You should be bold. I, th you know, I had a conversation with somebody about wide receivers recently, and they're like, "Hey, I think of this player, and it's not a player that's been in a lot of top fives or top tens. I, I love him. How far off am I?" And my response was, "There's no correct answers to this. It's not a test. You know what I mean? This right, is a right. somebody's got to be wrong at the end of the day, and some people will be right. And it, you know, for anyone that's sitting here listening and going, "Oh, I haven't seen George Pickens mocked in the round in first round, besides with Trevor or in the top two rounds." Look at how many round two, three, four wide receivers have turned into extremely successful NFL players right now. It is probably, and I would need to really dive into the numbers on this, but a position that the hit rate is higher than most outside of round one. When you get outside of round one, especially with quarterbacks, oh, yeah. edge pass rush, off, you know, the hit rate's a disaster. And, and with and, wide and receiver, it's not the case. Opportunity goes into that as well, right? I mean, like sure. we're talking about Coaching three, four scheme. wide receivers on the field at one time. So there's a lot more chances to prove yourself. But I agree. And then that's also a, a that's an argument why some people say, hey, don't reach for wide receiver in the first round. Now, some playmakers you, you, you think are going to be worth it. And that's why you see a handful of guys still go round one. But there's no doubt about it. You can definitely get some steals at wide receiver in uh, rounds two and three as well.
All right, so number one for me is Traylon Burks. He, he was number three. Oh, you for got you. Burks at one. Nice. Burks at one. Yeah, Burks at one. Okay. Um, like I said, Wilson a little bit more of a more projectable player, higher floor. Burks though, I love the ceiling, and I really do like the floor right now. I will be honest with you. I think that you know, like London, he might not be as sudden. He might not be as you know twitchy. He might not flash the short area ability that you look at you know before the catch and go, wow, this is a guy that's going to always be open at the next level, but. I'm with what you said at three, that it got a lot better this year. There was times where he was on the outside, and he was he was getting a step or two on guys, and then with an underthrown ball, he would make a play at the catch point. So with Burks, I actually view him as a player that when he goes into a, a better situation with quarterback next year, he will be a even better wide receiver as a whole. You don't have to do as much stuff with him as... You know, there was times they even used him like more inline H back early on in his career just to get him the ball and those right. dump off passes. And that stuff's great. And he's somebody that can take a jet sweep 60 yards to the house because at 6'2", 230 pounds, he's got legit speed. I think he's going to run a 4'4 at that size, which is remarkable. So he's an incredible blocker, great effort player. And, and I love his story, Trevor. This is a guy, and you got to love starting something with this is a guy, but this is a dude. <laughs> That is from Arkansas. Here's a guy. (laughs) This is a dude from Arkansas that had offers to go play at more established programs. I think when he got his offer from Arkansas, they had won three games that year. And he leaves Arkansas with the season they just had, where they were a legit team in the SEC. And I think that speaks to his character that he decided to stay home and build something. And I think that's very hard to do in this era where there's... You know, and the NIL didn't exist when he was a recruit, but in this era where there's NIL, better opportunities at other places, there's places that you you know you're going to be in a championship contention, right? Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. Like, to me, it speaks to his character that he really reset the tone for that program, uh, known as a weight room legend. I think he comes into the NFL and, and does not look like a guy that I need a year or two to get used to the size, strength, speed. I think he is the size, strength, speed. So Traylon Burks, number one wide receiver. I'd use him a top 10 pick on him, no problem. For anyone that thinks this wide receiver class doesn't have like a dude that can be a number one, I completely disagree. These last three guys I think could be number ones, but Traylon Burks is the one that excites me the most. Yeah, I mean, Traylon, you know, when when the ball gets in his hands, I mean, magic can happen, no doubt about it. I I do worry a little bit, not that he will be overwhelmed size, strength, speed-wise in the NFL. I think athletically he checks all those boxes, and I don't think you have a worry there. I worry about kind of what I was saying with him being my number three, just the technicalities of it. You know, him making sure that he's getting off press the way that he needs to. You know, whereas like, okay, in the SEC – in college football, he might have been able to just, you know, like bully people. And that's about it. You know, yeah, somebody, yeah. <laughs> try, somebody somebody tries to get their their hands on him and press and whatever. And he's just like, okay, this is a fly that I'm swatting away. And the NFL, it's a little different. These guys are a little bit more precise in how they're attacking you, where they're putting their hands, how they're mirroring you, what they're doing off the line of scrimmage. And I just think that that's going to be an area of his game that's really going to determine just how good he is. Because, you know, you mentioned it when you talked about Drake London. There's just sort of a lack of flexibility with bigger guys. I mean, he's six foot three, 225 pounds. Like he's just going to have visibly less flexibility than some of these other guys. And I think, I think he's a little bit stiff, but again, if he's as good as like Metcalf is, then it won't matter because you're just that good vertically and being a sideline outside kind of a wide receiver. So, but it's hard when there aren't many, examples for you to point to but then again 
aren't many examples of the kind of athlete Traylon Burks is at six foot three, 225 pounds. So there's just so much unique intrigue with Traylon Burks that goes into it. You certainly see the ceiling. I'm a little bit worried about the technicalities of it and, and him being great at these small details that can allow those big differences with his athleticism to really shine. So that's kind of where I am with Burks. My number one guy, you mentioned him. I think that he was your number three, Drake London, the wide receiver from USC. I love Drake London, man. I, I think that he is, I, I think that, he, that that people are looking at him and they're thinking, okay, this is a contested catch wide receiver. Here we go again. 2019 NFL draft class, JJ Ortega, Whiteside, Nikhil Harry, Hakeem Butler, Kelvin Harmon, right? This is another one of these guys that's not going to pan out. And I think that Drake London's different, man. I really do. It's not that he's just a contested catch wide receiver. It's that this dude led college football in all contested catches, and he only played eight games before he got hurt. He's still at the season's end. And we're talking about we're talking about with bowl games involved and championship games involved. Some of these wide receivers have played 13 or 12, 13, 14, and he made it to the national championship even 15 games this season. Drake London was the number one in contested catches all season long, and he played in just eight games. His numbers are stupid in that regard. It's not just that he's a contested catch receiver. It's that he is a contested catch God, he was unbelievable for Keaton Slovis and that entire USC offense. They went to him whenever they possibly could. Now he got on the field early on. And I love this as well. Got on the field early on at USC being a big slot, baby. He understands that role. Well, that versatility is certainly there for him. When you see the NFL guys like Julio Jones, guys like Mike Evans, guys like Deandre Hopkins. Well, not Deandre Hopkins in Arizona as much, but you rotate a lot of these guys. Devonte Adams is another one. You see them, these big wide receivers, these number one wide receivers be able to move into the slot to give some of these nickel defenders and some of these nickel sets on defense a lot of fits because all of a sudden you're giving that wide receiver a two-way go in a lot of different ways and just a lot more space and I think that Drake London really understands how to set those things up and do things well and people are going to talk about his speed yes he's not going to be as fast as Wandale Robinson as Calvin Austin as Chris Olave as Jamison Williams he's not but you know what else he is he's six foot four six foot five 220 pounds and he's bringing something to the table that those guys aren't the catch radius is huge for him and he makes the most of it you know what is a funny stat that I looked up here Connor in this past season Drake London had more yards after contact than Traylon Burks did it's he pretty had, crazy. He had one more yard. So they're the same thing. They're basically the same thing. But again, Drake London played in. But you, you don't have to say that second part, by the way, if you're selling a used car, you know, for your pitch. You don't have to say that it is, it's one more yard difference. Just stop right there. It sounds that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to shit on Traylon Burks too much, which so yeah, that that's, kind of, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of why I threw it in there. But he had, you know, people, people act like, oh, he's a big wide receiver. You know, like once he catches the ball, you know, he's, he's going to get tackled. He doesn't have that no. great, because that's the thing. They worry about the separation, right? So you get the yards after the catch and you get yards after contact and whatever. And yes, he's not naturally creating that separation. But Drake London is clearly showing that when he gets that ball and when somebody's contacting him at the catch, he has that mentality to throw that boy off of him and keep running with the football. Go get first downs. Go get those extra yards. He definitely has that mentality. Some people are rolling their eyes saying, oh, you know, he's going he's gonna to run somewhere in the four fives. Okay, well, you know who else ran in the four fives? Like you mentioned, Brandon Marshall, Mike Evans. Plaxico he's six Burris, foot five. Right, right like, like that's, you know, if he, obviously the ankle injury is a worry. 
I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I wonder if he runs. I don't think he'll run, Trevor. Right. I, I don't think he's yeah. going to run either. So I don't think we're ever going to get the answer to this question. But good. It would be annoying anyway. <laughs> Listen, it would be annoying. Good. So I I love Drake London for those reasons, man. I think that you can align him anywhere on the field. Um, I think he's comfortable with that. I think he b- became even better as a route runner this past season. He was absolutely their go-to. Love his mentality for everything after the catch. Yes, he's a contested catch receiver. Yes, it's where his bread is always going to be buttered. Yes, that is risky going into the NFL. But I don't think he is super limited as an athlete to where it like a lot of these other guys just got swallowed up. I don't think he has that kind of mentality. Instead, when I watch Drake London, I watch a wide receiver who is certainly athletically uh, athletic enough, right? He, he played basketball growing up as much as he did football. He was even on USC's basketball team as a power forward played a little bit. I think he played in two games before it was like, that's crazy. Okay. okay I can't do both of these things, but like, yeah. that's, you know, the, the kind of athleticism, the start and stop of playing basketball and changing direction and all that, like, all, man, it's, I think he is a great athlete for his size. I think he has a fantastic mentality as a wide receiver. The versatility is there. That's why he's my wide receiver one. And I think it just brings up a great conversation that like, you know, if for people listening that are, are want to get into scouting or new to the draft, or even if you're not, and I know most of you don't do this, but you need to evaluate size and speed differently, right? Like if somebody's five foot nine and runs a four, three, like that's awesome. But if somebody's six foot five, you know, two fifteen, and runs a four five, like that's a that's incredible. Like I think people don't realize that enough. Like that is build up speed down the. That's really fast at that size. Really fast at that size. So it's a you know the metrics are are the way they're viewed, right? Like a static number that is like four three always gets you excited. But what is the the profile, the physical profile? And I look at London and Burks and see guys that are just built so differently, are so physical. And Pickens has that play strength, too. It's just he doesn't have the this, this sample size of those right, other two. Right, but right. he has the play strength as well, where if he runs a sub 4-5, you're like, whoa, like that's real. So there's our top five, five uh, receivers. I did six because I'm a cheat. <laughs> It was right, fun. Let's. Uh, I want to know your just missed. Well, hold on. Before we get into the just I missed, stole, I snuck in mine. I'll. Uh, well, I'll, I'll. I'll recap the top fives here, mm. and then. Uh, and then Good I have call. everybody's favorite ad, ad read that I got to get to. Connor's. Uh, Connor's five. He, he kind of tied there between Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson. His number four, Jameson Williams. Number three, Drake London. Number two, Garrett Wilson. And number one, he had Traylon Burks. My top five. I had five, Garrett Wilson at five. Jameson Williams the same there at number four. Traylon Burks at three. And I had George Pickens at two and Drake London at one. I think uh, I think my theme here for my top three wide receivers is uh, the old uh, the old football adage motto: "Big people beat up little people." And I think that that's you know at wide receiver you can get production out of so many different shapes and sizes. But those are the guys that I had at the top. And now that I'm looking at this list, I guess that's uh, that's kind of why it stood out for me because those guys a lot of these guys bring a great athletic profile, but those guys brought a size and strength profile that I, I think. Uh, I think the other ones are a little bit lower on the list. It, it did not. Roses are red. Violets are blue. <laughs> Don't let a wild pube wreck you. That's right. I said it. Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for that special occasion. This Valentine's Day, time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leader in below-the-waist grooming. With our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com, use the promo code PFF, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Holidays went by so quickly. Did you remember to take care of your package while you were worrying about other packages? 
with the best tools for the job. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing that every guy needs in their life to make each day a little bit more special. Uh, Austin Austin said this on his ad read because I saw the video of it because it was floating around. Um, but there is also a, a part of this ad read where uh, you can have the option to say, Manscaped created their products for a night just like Valentine's Day and will make your V-Day special when your date says, wow, great set of balls you have there. <laughs> that is in the script. <laughs> the Manscaped, the Manscaped ad reads a choose your own adventure book. I did Dude. not know that. It, yes, it is. No, it is. It is definitely a choose your own adventure. You've got to choose paths. And sometimes those paths end in a, in a location where you never really thought they would go, but you're midway through the sentence and you got to power through it. So there we were. I just had to, I had to throw that out to the people. Maybe I'll actually throw that in there. Yeah, like, I was going to say, I, I don't know if like unironically up. is the way, but like, I gotta, I gotta come up with a way to really get that one in there confidently to, to, to sell at home. But that's, that's like difficulty level. That's like through the fire and flames guitar hero level difficulty. So I gotta, I gotta work on it before I get to, <laughs> fire and flames. Before I get to that one, get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code PFF over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code PFF. Join Cuban and shoot your shot with manscaped this Valentine's now we can now we can talk about wide receivers that just missed the the, the top five now that we're uh now that we're all hot and bothered here talking about the manscape dad so who is uh give me one wide receiver who maybe even it wasn't ranked six or seventh in, in your group there but uh just tell me somebody who you you wanted to mention here on this list yeah so i i said pickens before but like you said that's more of like the the fringe kind of guy i think the one i i wish i talked about would be somebody like sky Moore. Uh, mm. to get in that conversation. Mike and Renner, then, Mike Renner loves Sky more. That's he, I, I've he, seen he's a little very bit more buzz. And M- Mike's like really good at, at usually being, you know, early on on guys that he, are gonna get there. So he, that's he grinds, he grinds the tape. That's uh that's good to hear. So Sky Moore would be one and then you know I'll throw one on here that I, I really find so exciting to watch and I'm curious. I think he'll project more as a round three player. But Wandell Robinson, to me, oh, is, yeah. yeah, he's someone that, yes. if you truly do know what you want to do with him in your offense, then, like, him coming into an offense where he is the number three piece, he's going to do a lot of gadget things. You're going to hear that cliche and buzz a lot. He's going to do jet sweeps, bubble screens, move him around. Like, you're going to use him in motion a lot. But I also think there is a legit you know, way to use him just as a slot guy that can eat the middle of the field. He is electric after the catch. So Wandell Robinson would be one to me that's, he's not going to be in my top 50 or he's not locked into my top 50, but he absolutely in the right offense with a creative mind can give you, you know, 10 snaps a game. And you're, you're going to have to account for him on the field. When you see him going in motion, is he going to get the jet sweep? Is he going to get the pitch pass? Is he going to be, a player that's using the screen game. And he's probably got enough juice to, you know, send him down the field as well. So I- I'm curious to watch Wandell, how he's projected in this class. And I think he is going to be very specific for a lot of teams. 
but he's not that round one or round two guy that we've been spending the whole show talking on uh, that I find very exciting to watch. Yeah, I like Wandale a, a lot. I had the I had the chance to interview him early in the season, kind of when Kentucky was really, really going off and popping off at that offense, playing really, really well. And I think that people just, um, you know, Kentucky lost a couple of games, so they got out of the spotlight and people really didn't pay attention as much. But Wandale was fantastic. He, he ended with some some really great numbers to end the season. He is, like you said, he's a burner. He's a fantastic athlete. He's got that track background. And um, he's at Kentucky because he originally committed to go to Nebraska. And he wanted to play slot wide receiver for Nebraska in his freshman year. So many running backs got hurt on the depth chart that they asked Rondale if he'd play running back. And he, he, he did, he kind of took one for the team and played running back. He played it in high school. So it wasn't like it was his, his first time doing it. He kind of split time doing running back wide receiver, things like that. And um, then his sophomore season, they kind of like kept him there and he didn't want to be a running back. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, yeah. he ended up leaving Nebraska and I know Nebraska Smart fans man. weren't, Weren't super pumped about that, but he goes to Kentucky. Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator for Kentucky, who is a Sean McVay disciple, was with the Rams uh, before he got to Kentucky as their offensive coordinator. I really like what he was doing this past year, I think especially out the gate. Uh, he had some really great play calls, really great play design, and I think throughout the whole season, he did a great job getting Wandale Robinson involved. And so you mentioned him as a round three guy. I think there's a good chance that Wandale Robinson could be a round two guy. I really think that, especially when he goes to the combine and uh, yeah. performs very, very well the way that I think he can. Very versatile player, and I think, you know, as we've said so many times in this podcast, you need a slot guy to really help you out. And so uh, I, I, I agree, Wandale Robinson, he's kind of right there outside of the top five. I'm not sure exactly where I'd have him listed, but he would be one of those next names that I would that I would mention there another game another name that I really wanted to mention David Bell the wide receiver from Purdue great call uh, d this dude has just always been good at football I like I don't know actually actually it's, it's it's always been good at sports I uh I again had the chance to sit down with him do a story on him and he is just Ridiculous. I mean, in, in high school, he, he, he won an undefeated state championship in basketball. And then the immediate season that followed won an undefeated state championship in, in football. Like he just has always had success. He played varsity as a true freshman in football. He's always been somebody that's contributed right away. He played right away when he was at Purdue. They leaned on him heavily, especially when Rondell Moore got hurt. It became the David Bell show. And you know, he just feels like this kind of player and he's not going to blow you away with athleticism. He, he's not, he's not going to blow you away with size. He's not the biggest, strongest, fastest dude out there, but he gets open. He understands the game. He understands playing receivers so very well. And his production has been fantastic because of it. He is another player right outside of that top five. Somebody who's going to go, I think in day two, that's just going to be a damn good pro. Yeah, he is. And, and he was the, I believe it was the state of Indiana. I think he was the Gatorade Indiana player of the year um, before he went to Purdue. And man, it's just, he, he has increased his playing time. I think throughout the time that he's been there, he played a little bit as a freshman. And like I said, when Rondell Moore got hurt and then when Rondell Moore left, uh, it really became the David Bell show. And this past season, man, he has put up some crazy numbers. And I think he plays the position. He's got such a great understanding for it. So I wanted to give a shout out to David Bell there, even though he wasn't going to make my top five. He's going to be, I think, a really good wide receiver in the NFL. Don't overthink him. He's going to be one of the best day two picks out there. That's a great call. He's somebody that has been super productive. He, he does all of, you know, kind of the dirty work at wide receiver, really. The tough catches he, he can make. And he's someone that is going to get overlooked, I think, in this class because he's he's not going to wow you with testing numbers he's he's not going to wow you like you said trevor he's not going to be like the biggest and fastest kind of guy but when you turn on the film it's called reliability is what you're getting with David totally. bell in my eyes totally. i just see a reliable player so 
Um, all right, who was one guy that kind of my route you don't really have in your top 50, but you like to watch him and you like to talk about him and you're kind of excited to see his draft path right now? I like Khalil Shakir a lot, the wide receiver from Boise State. He was another player who I think there's there there's just something to guys that expect the ball to go to their hands in the biggest moment. And that was Khalil Shakir. No doubt. Uh, over the last couple of years at Boise state again, like he's not going to be the most athletically gifted dude. I don't think he's going to just like explode onto the scene after the combine, but um, interviewed, I had the chance to sit down with him as well. And um, he has a lot of nicknames that he goes by uh, deuce for his number uh, captain. They, they, they would just call him captain, you know, for, for him being the captain of the team, but also Swiss Swiss Shakir is, is something that they called him because of everything that he was able to do, where he could line up for it for them in the backfield, in the slot, on the outside, what he was able to do for that team. And it was basically with Khalil Shakir, wherever the other team was weakest in coverage, they seemed to put Khalil in those situations to really um, exploit those players. And I, I love betting on players that had a high workload in college football because when they get to the NFL – if they happen to get in a really good situation and start performing really, really well, and the offense coordinator wants to put more on their plate and get them more attention, more targets, it's not new for them. It's expected. This is something that they have gone through plenty of times before. Uh, and, and so I do think that that, that experience and that workload and, and, and being that emphasis in an offense, the way that Shakir has been over the last couple of years for Boise state, that means a lot to guys that you were maybe going to pick in the mid round and Heck, if they hit, they're not going to be mentally overwhelmed or experiencing it for the first time if they start getting that extra attention. So he's a smooth mover. He's fun. He's a Swiss Army knife. And, and I really like Khalil Shakir in this class. And we should be getting to see him in Mobile as it stands today, yep. right? Yep. Okay, yep. cool. I get nervous every time I ask about a player. You know, I, sure. I haven't checked it, like super recently. Now I'm going to do a Twitter search, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he is still on the lineup. While you're doing that, uh, we promise the number to know to round out to conclude this wide receiver segment. One number that stood out to me uh, in our lovely PFF database, which is just mind-blowing. Like, you think, like, someone like me that's done the draft, and I've always used uh, PFF's, you know, premium college football stats, you know, as, since they've been available via subscription. But now, being here... It's just wild, the unlimited data. So one number to know why I was watching all these wide receivers that just is remarkable. And this guy doesn't get a lot of attention. He's not in the top 10 wide receivers. He will be at the Shrine game. Uh, Jarrett Stearns dropped three of 155 catchable passes this year. That is, and sure, some of them are quick throws. Some of them are screens. There's also plenty of times for a smaller guy. He goes into the deep intermediate, you know, intermediate deep part of the field and, and gets crushed after catching one over the middle. Trevor, that is that's below a, you know a two percent dropper. It's just you're not dropping the football at that point. Like you're literally not dropping the football. So shout out to Jarrett Stearns. For that. I have another Jarrett Stearns uh, PFF Ultimate stat for you while you're here. Yard, it, it's it, it's a yards after the catch stat for him. You mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Yes, might be a top ten wide receiver next year, right? He was second in the country this year with 795 yards after the catch. Number one, Jareth Stearns, 1,156. This man had over 300 yards more than Jackson Smith and Jigba and everyone else in the country at yards after the catch. His year, Jareth Stearns' year with Bailey Zappi in that offense at Western Kentucky, nuts in nuts saying the production that they had there my uh my number two well 
not yeah, just but, there. They transferred together from Houston Baptist. I know. I think I know. they set records at Houston Baptist, transferred together to Western Kentucky, and then did all of that this year. And they, Incredible. And they, and they did so, funny enough, because their offensive coordinator, who was at Houston Baptist, who they also put up monster numbers with, Zach Hitley, went over to be the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky, and that's what brought both of them over there. So it's Zach crazy. Hitley is a name to know in college football. He is now the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech after this past year having so much success at West Virginia. He is definitely a name to know to keep an eye on as an offensive coordinator that's going to get hot, and I think we're going to see him at some uh, bigger schools very, Pass very game soon. God. Yeah, tr <laughs> truly, truly, truly. Uh, the last number to know that I will say in this wide receiver class before we get out of here, Calvin Austin the third, the wide receiver from Memphis. Five foot nine, 160 pounds, soaking wet. I mean, this dude is tiny, and yet he has a massive game. As you would hope with a guy who has that small of a size profile, he's very, very fast. He will bring that 4-3 profile to you, and the numbers to know is I asked him myself because, you know, I, I was able to sit down and talk with him and about his use in the offense and, and everything, and I said, hey, when's the last time you ran a 40? Be honest with me. And he's like, I, I ran a 4.38 official time when I was a junior in high school. And I was like, okay. And he said, but I've been hand-timed multiple times in the 4.2s since then. Just like non-official stuff, running the 40, multiple times he said he's been hand-timed in the 4.2s. This is also somebody who has won nine state championships in track. Nine state championships. He won in... The 200-meter dash, the 100-meter dash, the 400, and the 4 the four by 200 relay. He won, his, he, won, he won junior years, sophomore years, and senior years. That's It's just this, this dude. We talk about guys with track backgrounds. This is a real track background. I also asked uh, Calvin because I had to. I'd be like, brother, have they ever, like, tried to put weight on you? Like, you're, you're 160 pounds. And he, and he laughed, and, like, he, he loved it. And he, he laughed, and he's like, man, it's crazy. He's like my what if you saw what i eat in a day you would have no idea how i'm 160 pounds and i was like what do you eat he's like i just eat pasta all the time he's like my favorite foods are lasagna spaghetti like he's like i'm just out here eating pasta all the time. and he and he's just got the fastest metabolism in the world so i don't know man maybe the nfl is gonna maybe the nfl is gonna say like hey man just uh Eight peanut butter, eight, like casein and peanut butter sandwiches when you, you get your first year in the league, something to maybe put a little extra weight on him. But he seems to be comfortable there. And look, you know, with Calvin Austin, if Tutu Atwell can go in the second round, Calvin Austin can go somewhere on day two. I don't know if he's going to go somewhere on day two, but that's, he, I mean, he is, he is a better version of what Tutu was. And Tutu oh, went, what, God. 50, yeah. 52nd or something like that last year? Yes, such a better version. He could fly. It was funny, well before we even started doing this show, uh, when I was watching Calvin Austin for the Senior Bowl, going through all those wide receivers, I was watching tape, really, really like him, you know, post some clips. Then you go in the research rabbit hole, and I ended up at your article. Um, and it's just the track background is, it's unbelievable. And his road to being a, a football player at the college level is yep. a lot, it's a lot more different than your typical college football player. So, if you want to know, I would definitely read Trevor's article on it on PFF because it was you learn a lot about the player and and man he's he's electric he's got serious juice ser I mean the wheels are real special teams big time returner uh, he'll be re he'll be drafted to return punts uh, maybe even kicks as well and 
And dude, I can't believe it. That wraps our our early wide receiver preview. Yep. Of the top guys, and uh, it was good that I, this is the first show that we like really had such different stances, where everybody could kind of see where. Yeah. You know. It, this is scouting. Yeah, different stances. I think, uh, yeah, you know, I I think your analysis is bad now, and I'm sure that you think. Vice <laughs> I can't versa. believe I signed up to do a podcast with you. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. First one of many that we're going to be doing. I think over the oh, next yeah. couple of weeks, really getting into these classes, give you guys our thoughts on a lot of these guys, a lot of the names to know, some rounds to project them in, and and like we did today, I, I love that you were able to sprinkle in a little bit of, hey, I could see this team drafting him. We're hopefully going to do a lot more of that, uh, yeah. kind of when when we're thinking about these prospects and some fits that they have there next week, because uh, this is the last show for this week. But next week on Monday, it's going to be. All-star circuit themed. Shrine Bowl starts this coming weekend. Senior Bowl immediately starts right after that. And so uh, Connor and I are going to be talking a lot about what's going on at the Shrine Bowl, what's going on at the Senior Bowl. I'm going to be out in Vegas for the Shrine, so I'm going to be remote uh, doing some podcasts uh, with that. We'll be sure to get you all the episodes on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, so you guys can count on those things. But going to be a lot of uh, Shrine talk. We're going to give you all the updates. I'm going to be boots on the ground there. Connor and I are both going to be boots on the ground in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. So we're going to give you all of our thoughts, all of our updates, who is up, who is down during the All-Star Circuit. It's going to be a blast. We'll see you guys on Monday.